Good morning, church. Welcome to week three of our study of the book of Ephesians. This morning we will be in Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verses 11 through 14. And we will close this morning Paul's opening doxology, his opening words of praise that we see in chapter 1. And we have seen in previous weeks as we've worked through chapter 1 the Trinitarian work of God in saving and in redeeming his people. We observed in week 1 that it is God the Father who has chosen a people and predestined them for adoption into his family. Last week we observed it was God the Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for his children's sins, who he redeemed his children, and who will unite all things under his headship. And today, in the final portion of Paul's opening doxology, we turn our attention to who? You guessed it, the Holy Spirit the one who guarantees believers of our salvation and our inheritance in Christ. To guarantee something. It is a concept that is difficult at times to accept because we as human beings, we have been taught in our sinful and fallen world that nothing is guaranteed except for death and taxes. There's a joke about a fifth grade teacher who posed the following problem to one of her classes. She said, a wealthy man died and left $10 million for his family. One-fifth was to go to his wife, one-fifth was to go to his son, one-sixth was to go to his butler, and the rest to charity. Now, what does each get? After a long silence in the classroom, little Mikey sheepishly raised his hand and the teacher called on little Mikey. And with complete sincerity in his voice, little Mikey answered, a lawyer. But with the promised Holy Spirit, there are no lawyers necessary as he guarantees our inheritance. It is the Holy Spirit who guarantees our heritage, our new life as children of the Most High God. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning, or the two main themes we will be looking at this morning in our text. Our thesis statement is this, praise God that he has saved all his children through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and has guaranteed their eternal inheritance through the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and he did this for his glory. Praise God that he has saved all his children through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and has guaranteed their eternal inheritance through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And he, God, did all of this for his glory. Our text this morning is Ephesians chapter 1. We will be in verses 11 through 14. And I'd highly recommend you opening your Bibles this morning and following along in the text. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. The Apostle Paul writes, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we sit here in all of this text this morning. Father, it is you who have predestined us. You have adopted us into your family. It is Jesus Christ who has redeemed us, who will unite all things under him and in him. And then you have given us a down payment, the first installment of our eternal inheritance. It is the sealing of the promised Holy Spirit, the guarantee of our hope Lord, you have done all the work for us. And the only proper response then is praise to your most holy and most glorious name. Father, give us a heart of worship this morning. Give us a heart to be in all of your mercy and in all of your grace. Soften us this morning. Let us see you for who you are, the only one who is able to redeem us and to reconcile us back to yourself. Humble us before you, we pray. Father, I pray that you help my lisping, stammering tongue this morning. Give me the words that you want me to communicate to this dear flock. Let us grow in our love for each other and our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this, point number one. Praise God that he has sovereignly saved all of his children by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God that he has sovereignly saved all of his children by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll be looking at verses 11 through 13, which reads, In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We see in verse 11 again this phrase, in him... And again, like last week, it refers back to the previous verse which we looked at. And last week we saw in verse 10 that it was Jesus Christ who will unite all things in him and under his headship. Thus, verse 11 here, we see in him, in Jesus Christ, we as the children of God have received or obtained an inheritance. An inheritance. Ooh. Well, what is it? Well, obviously, the inheritance includes, as we saw last week, we have freedom from sin, we have redemption, but this inheritance that we receive, it includes so much more. And how do we know this? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined that God has prepared for those who love him. 
And what has God prepared for those who love Him? What is our inheritance? 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. John MacArthur concludes that our inheritance is all of the perfect promises that God has offered in Christ to all of His children. Our salvation, our peace, our fellowship with God, no sin, no death, no worry, no anxiety, our inheritance is all the perfect promises of God that he has offered in Jesus Christ. But do not miss this point this morning, that the only way we receive this inheritance, which is reserved only for the children of the Most High God, verse 11, it says, it is in Christ. It is only in Christ we have received this eternal or have obtained this inheritance. This idea that all deities are the same, that Buddha and Muhammad and Christ, they are the same thing, church, it is false. It is only in him, it is only in Christ that we receive this inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thus, church, enter the narrow gate of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Matthew 7 says, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So, if so few are those who find eternal life, and the way is hard, and the gate is narrow, How then can we be confident in God that we will receive our inheritance? That we will receive this eternal inheritance? Verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. How can we be confident that we will receive this eternal inheritance? God himself has decreed it. This is called the decretive will of God. As defined by R.C. Sproul, God bringing to pass whatever he pleases by his divine decree. Thus, his decretive will can have no other consequences than what God sovereignly commands. God did not request light to shine, neither did he coax it or cajole it or woo it into existence. In Genesis 1-3, when God said, let there be light, poof, there was light, church. It is decreed by God, it is declared by God, and according to God, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, he predestined his people, his church, to receive an unfathomable eternal inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High God. In verse 12, Paul goes on, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Paul here is likely making a slight distinction between the apostles, Paul included, and the first Jews who converted to Christianity, so that group. He is comparing them or making a distinction between them and to Gentiles 
or the readers of this letter who received the gospel and who heard the gospel message after the Jewish people. The Jews received the gospel first, they were converted first, and then the message went to the gospel, or went to the Gentiles. And this is consistent with Paul in his writing in Romans 1.16. He said that salvation is for all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul's point here is that although the Jewish Christians were the first to hope in Jesus Christ, they were the first to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that although they confessed their faith before the Gentiles, before the readers of this book, just as my grandparents confessed their faith in the gospel before I did, just as my parents confessed their faith in the gospel before I did, although the Jewish people were the first to be converted, Paul says their response should not be one of, oh, well then praise our heritage, for surely that has saved us, or praise the Mosaic law, for surely that has saved us, or praise our circumcision, for surely that has saved us, the mark of the covenant. No, Paul says, it is praise God in his glory, as he is the only one who has saved us, the only one who has redeemed us, and literally it is God himself who has done all the work for us. Church, understand this, that we are saved by works, but they are not our works that save us. They are the work of Jesus Christ and Christ alone that has saved us. Let's praise God in his most glorious name. D.L. Moody told the story about a time he was going to preach one Sunday morning when a young man drove up in front of him and he had an aged woman with him. Who is that young man, Moody asked his friend. And his friend said, do you see that beautiful meadow over there and all the land and the house upon it? Moody said, yes. His friend said that his father drank it all away. The father was a great drunkard, he said, squandered his property, died, and left his wife and his son in the poorhouse. And that young man, he said, That is his son, one of the finest young men I have ever met. He has toiled hard and earned money and bought back the land. He has taken his mother out of the poorhouse, and now he is taking her to church. Moody noted, what an illustration. The first Adam in Eden sold humanity for naught, but the Messiah, the second Adam, has come and bought us back again. The first Adam brought us to the poorhouse, as it were. The second Adam makes us kings and priests unto God. That is the work of Jesus Christ. We get in Christ all that Adam lost and more. Men look on the blood of Jesus Christ with scorn and contempt, but the time is coming when the blood of Christ will be worth more than all the kingdoms of the world. We are saved by the work and the work alone of Jesus Christ. And our only response is to the praise of his glory. In verse 13, Paul goes on, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Again, in him you also, remember Paul made a distinction, verse 12 and verse 13. Here he's referring to the Gentiles, the readers of this book. 
He says, in Him you also Gentiles, in Him you also Ephesians, you new Christians throughout Asia Minor, just like us, Paul says, or in the same way as us, when you heard the truth, when you heard the gospel of salvation and believed in the gospel, you too, just like us, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and you were saved just like us. Thus, no matter if you were the first, if you were the tenth, if you were the hundredth, if you were the thousandth, the millionth person to believe and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have been saved the same way. No matter if you were Jew or Gentile, Greek or Roman, Egyptian or American, you have been saved the same way. No matter if you were black or white, brown, red, yellow, you have been saved the same way. Tony Miranda, he summarized it perfectly when he said, there are no second-class Christian citizens. And please do not miss this as it, as it is foundational for our unity as a church body. Because we are all dead. We were all dead in our sins and we were all chosen by God. We are all predestined for adoption through Jesus Christ. We are all redeemed by Christ. We all heard the same gospel message and believed in that same message because we have been sealed with the same Holy Spirit. We are all one in Christ, possessing the same standing before God. Thus, on our own merit, church, no one is special. We have the same standing because what Christ has done for us, no matter if you went to Christian school your entire life or if you were the crook on the cross next to Jesus who in his dying breast pleaded out, remember me, Jesus Christ still said, today you will be with me in paradise. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the work of Jesus Christ alone. And as a church body, we can cry out in unity, praise and glory be to God alone. Which takes us to point two this morning. Point number two is this, that all true regenerate Christians are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and they are guaranteed an eternal inheritance. Verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. There are two very cool word pictures here in verses 13 and 14 that communicate our assurance, our assurance of our eternal inheritance, the assurance of our salvation via faith in the work of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now the third member of the Godhead takes center stage in the text. And just as the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us ears to hear the gospel and hearts to believe in the gospel, regenerating us and giving us new life in the gospel, he is also the one who seals us, keeping us in possession of God until we reach glory. To seal something in the ancient Near East, was a sign of ownership. Peter O'Brien pointed out that just as an animal 
or even a slave in the ancient Near East would be sealed or branded by their owners or their masters in order to keep them from being stolen, so too has God sealed his children with the Holy Spirit. To number one, display that we are God's possession. And number two, to keep them in him, to keep them from leaving him until we receive our inheritance. And how do we know this to be true? It is because in verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance or the earnest of our inheritance. Now, that is a beautiful King James word right there, the earnest of our inheritance, meaning that the Holy Spirit is the purpose of our inheritance, the pledge of our inheritance, the down payment of our, inher- of our inheritance. In the summer of 2009, I had just graduated from Elizabethtown College, and I was dating my then-girlfriend, now-wife Liz, for about six years. And I knew at that time I wanted to ask her to marry me. I had been saving up money, working construction in the summer with my father in order to purchase an engagement ring. Thus, the day arrived when I went to Vincent Jewelers as a 22-year-old, And I chatted with Vincent about an hour, looking at rings and magazines and diamonds and everything you could think of. And finally, I came to a decision on the type of ring I wanted. The size of the diamond, or lack thereof, the cut of it, everything we needed for the ring. And now it was on Vincent to create it. However, Vincent wanted a down payment from me for the ring. He saw some young, scraggly, bearded 22-year-old kid, and he wanted, if you will, some collateral. He wanted a down payment. He wanted the first installment of the ring. He wanted enough that would give him enough confidence, that would give him the security needed to know that this 22-year-old kid would come back with the rest of the money when the ring was finished. Church, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. It is our down payment. He is our proof that we can be confident of our eternal inheritance, of our redemption. We can be confident that our eternal reconciliation has been guaranteed to us, that our salvation with God, that all the spiritual blessings have been guaranteed to us. Romans 8.15 says, For we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but the spirit of adoption as sons, in who we can cry out, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee that Christ will return for his church and give them every spiritual blessing. It is our seal that we are God's. We are God's and he will never leave us or forsake us. He will never fail us or abandon us. He will never disown us or quit on us. And Paul's response to this, what else? Verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Praise God that we are his possession, that we have been adopted by Christ, that we are one in Christ, that we are secure in Christ and we will never, ever, ever fall away from Jesus Christ. 
And how can we be confident of this? How can we be sure, guaranteed that this will take place? Again, 2 Corinthians 5, because we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, if it is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Take heed this morning. Our heavenly blessings, they are secure. And make praise this morning to God and His glory, who has secured it for us, church. As we close this morning, I will begin with the non-Christian who is here. Non-Christian, you have heard me ramble on a couple different topics this morning, but the one I would like to rehash with you is this, that no matter what, all of mankind, all of humankind, we are all saved the same way. No matter of our past, no matter of what sin we committed, no matter of our age, no matter of our race, no matter how much money we make, no matter who we vote for, we are saved by hearing the gospel of our salvation and believing. Thus, lovingly, non-Christian, let me share with you that your sin, it has separated you from God. And because of your sin, you have incurred on yourself death, damnation, and the eternal, holy wrath of God. But, but, but God being rich in mercy, God himself came into this world as Jesus Christ to save sinners from their sin. He lived the life that we never could. He lived a life amongst sinners, and yet he, Jesus Christ, he never sinned, not once. And he bore the wrath of our sins. The sins that we had committed, the sins that incurred the wrath of God, Jesus Christ, he acted as our substitute. He took our place, and he died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was crucified for our sins. He was put on a cross, and he died in our place. He bore the wrath that we deserve for our sins. But to showcase he was truly God, that he was sinless, he defeated sin and defeated death three days later when he rose from the grave. Non-Christian, if we trust in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and for our reconciliation, we will be cleansed of our sins. We will be forgiven. We will be clothed in the perfect righteousness, the perfect life of Christ, and we will be reconciled, put back into fellowship with God through eternity. We are saved by hearing the gospel of our salvation and believing. Non-Christian, you just heard the gospel message. Thus, let today be the day that you take the next step and you believe that you trust in Christ and in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the only one who paid the price of your sins, who can wash you of all of your sins, who can clothe you in his perfect life, and who can reconcile you, bring you back into fellowship with God. 
Let today be the day that you trust in Christ. And you will be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You will be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and you will receive the internal inheritance that are given only to the children of God. To the Christian that is here this morning, our text this morning stated that as Christians... We have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We are God's possession. We are God's possession. One of my joys as a father is to teach and to walk with my children through something that is called the New City Catechism. It is a question and answer concerning principles of Christianity. And it is amazing the truths that children are able to retain and absorb at such a, quick age, or such a young age. But question number one of the New City Catechism is this. It is, what is our only hope in life and death? What is our only hope in life and death? And the answer to it is that we are not our own, but we belong to God. What is our only hope in life and death? It is that we are not our own, but we belong to God. Brother Christian, sister Christian, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been sealed, we have been adopted into the family of God, we have been promised and assured, guaranteed of an eternal inheritance, salvation via the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Thus we are to live in a way in which we display display this seal to the world. Tim Keller said that because of grace in our gratitude, we as Christians want to resemble our Heavenly Father. We want to resemble our family. We want to look like our Savior. Thus lovingly, let me ask you this morning, do we resemble our Heavenly Father and how we as a church body give grace to each other? Do we resemble our Heavenly Father and how we are quick to forgive each other? Do we resemble our Heavenly Father in the way we love each other, in the way we bear one another's burdens, in the way we commune with each other? Could an outsider looking at us determine from the way we live our life that we have the family seal, that we have the family resemblance of our God? Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body, as individuals adopted into the family of God, by grace, through faith, in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, redeemed by the blood of our Savior and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, that we as a church body, that we are confident, that we are sure, that we are convinced in our guaranteed future inheritance. Church, our God does not lie, and he does not make false promises, our eternal inheritance, our salvation. It is secure. Thus, let us live in a way that displays our family seal, that resembles our family line and personifies our Savior. Lord, teach us as a family to love each other better. Teach us to share our family story, the gospel with others, and teach us to warmly welcome your children into Faith Bible Fellowship Church. Why? Because we belong to God. Romans 14 says, For none of, us, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Church, we belong to God. Thus be confident in our seal. Display his seal to all and praise God. 
He has guaranteed our eternal inheritance with his seal. Oh, to God be the glory for his work and our redemption. Let's pray. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Oh, that we have peace in that. That we have peace, that we are the possession of God. And as his children, he has given us an eternal inheritance. He has given us salvation. Father, let us display this sealing that we have to the world. Let us display it to our brothers and sisters in Christ, who all have the same standing before you in the way we love them. Let us be bold in sharing this seal, this gospel message with the world. Father, we pray for repentance for those who hear this message. And when reconciliation does take place, Father, let us welcome as a church body all to your new children in here to Faith Bible Fellowship Church. It is a work only you can do, Father, and that is why we have such confidence in it. It is a work that you have done and only you can do, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.